Morning, church. I'm going to need just a quick moment here to kind of organize myself, and I might want to raise this up a little bit, actually. All right, and while I'm getting organized, I'm also going to have to come up with a new gift for my mom for Mother's Day, because Mark ruined the surprise. I was still going to buy her a Lamborghini, but... But I want her to be surprised, so I'm going to change it. Well, and actually, my mom doesn't have a driver's license, so I would going to buy her one and then drive her around in it. And then when she doesn't want to be driven around, I guess, you know, I could drive it. I don't know. I, I thought so. But now the surprise is ruined. All right. <laughs> Let me pray real quick before we jump in. <coughs> Father God, we just thank you for your presence, Lord, for your goodness. Father, right now I just surrender my will. Father, I surrender my notes, my plan, and I just ask that you would just speak through me this morning. Use your word to encourage your people, to touch hearts, and to change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so this morning, the title of my message is Look. Where we look is important where we place our focus, where our attention is fixed upon. It's important. Where we place our focus matters. And what we're looking to affects the perception that we have of what's going on around us. So as we're going through our life, if we look at all of the good things, if that's where we're focused is on all the good things that are going on, then, then it's just there's a positivity there and we feel good about, about the things that are going on. But if we constantly focus on all the bad things going on, because there's bad things that happen too, but if that's our focus, if that's what we're constantly looking at, we can find ourselves depressed and hopeless. That's why I try not to watch the news too often. I mean, I want to be informed, but so often it feels like it's just all the bad news, especially in the last few years here. I mean, can't we report on something good every now and again? I mean, it's always like some house caught fire and burned down or, you know, it's going to snow tomorrow. It's just terrible. And I mean, maybe you like snow, so maybe that's, you know, maybe that's your jam. But it's not. I'm more of a summertime kind of guy. <coughs> but there's so many places that we can look. And there's lots of things that we can focus our attention on. And I know that as a people, we all too often find ourselves looking back looking at our past, our mistakes, our hurts, the times we blew it, the relationships that have gone bad, the people or the situations that have hurt us, circumstances that haven't gone our way. We often go along driving through life, looking through the rearview mirror. Now, rearview mirrors are important when you're driving a car. You know, don't get me wrong. They're helpful to keep you aware of your surroundings, to know what's behind you. If you're changing lanes without checking your mirror, you know, you might get in an accident. So looking back does have its place, but it needs to be limited. It should be a quick glance, because just as changing lanes without checking your mirror can be dangerous, constantly moving forward while always looking back can be just as dangerous. We shouldn't drive around fixed upon our rearview mirror. Often, our past can be the enemy of our future. It can hold us back. 
It can demand all of our attention. It can steal our joy. Last week, Mark talked about pulling weeds in our lives, about dealing with those things that have become overgrown maybe, um, d- you know, just dealing with them, getting, getting rid of them, whether it's um, sins or disappointments or hurts or whatever they are. We do need to deal with those. It's important that we do. We've got to pull them. We've got to get help if we need to. If you missed his message last week, I would encourage you to go back online and listen to it. It was really good. <coughs> we need to do that. We need to, to seek healing. So sometimes we do have to look back, but we just don't want to get stuck in the weeds. We don't want to stay there. And then once you've dealt with them, some of the overgrown stuff, it's important to just keep gardening as you move forward. Keep pulling them up while they're small so that they don't pile up on us. So in talking about places we can look, my first point is don't look back. Now I want to clarify and reiterate because I just said it's okay to look back, and it is. I'm not saying that we should ignore the past. If you have things that you need to deal with, you should deal with them. Pull the weeds. Just don't get stuck in them. And just don't let that past steal your focus. We can and we should learn from the past. We can learn from our mistakes. Professional athletes do this all the time. They review the things that they've done, the ways that they've called plays or executed plays so that they can see where they can improve, so that they can learn from their mistakes and they can grow. But if all they did was watch tape, if all they did was focus on the past mistakes, they'd miss the game. Like Mark was saying earlier, don't, don't take yourself out of the game. Jesus doesn't want us to miss the game, guys. He has plans and purposes for our lives, and those plans lie ahead, not behind. I love this verse I, I have for a long time. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And as we read that scripture, we need to notice the word that's used there. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. Not the plans I had. The plans I have. God's plans are forward. They're ahead. They're future focused. They don't change. And guys, when we miss the mark, we don't miss the boat. If we get off course, if we lose our focus, he lovingly redirects us. That's what he does. Guys, his plans are for hope and future. He has plans and purposes for all of us, both in the kingdom and personally. But we have to be looking ahead, not behind. A good example of this is the Israelites. God brought them out of slavery. He brought them out of Egypt. And he wanted to bring them into promise, into the promised land. But coming into promise isn't always a walk in the park. It takes trust. It takes patience. Sometimes it takes work. Sometimes there's giants in our path. The bit of discomfort in walking into promise had them longing to return to slavery. In Numbers 14, 1 through 4, it says this. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness, 
Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Guys, I, I love how the Lord <laughs> orchestrates things and the words that he brings forth. You know, this is kind of like what Mark just talked about. The thrill of their lives, their, their promise, their future. They just had to move forward. But fear, fear struck them. They saw the giants and they were afraid. At that moment of discomfort or unknowing or whatever, they find themselves looking back. And we get stuck in that way too. Sometimes we get stuck looking back because it's familiar. Even if it's horrible. Sometimes we long for that just because we know it. We get stuck in it because we'd rather deal with the devil we know versus the devil we don't. Have you heard that saying? Well, it's garbage. It's garbage. If you know you're dealing with the devil, don't just accept it. Run. Move on. Don't fear the unknown future. Trust God. His plans are good. We have to toss that way of thinking from our lives. Don't look back to Egypt. Don't look back to those past things. They may be familiar, but God wants to do something new. He's about our future. The new things he has for us are ahead, and we don't want to miss them. In Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, it says this. It says, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. He has good things ahead. Sometimes we long for what we perceive to be good. I mean, sometimes things in the past, they're good. It's not all bad. So we can get hung up on that too. Like, the best days are behind us. You know, this was the good time. I want to go back to that. But again, God's plans are future-focused. They're not about the past. So letting go of the good of the past is just as important. <coughs> Better the devil we know than the devil we don't. Don't get stuck in that thinking. God's plans are for our good. But it could be worse, you might say. To that I would say, or it could be better. Trust Jesus. And if it turns out to be worse, I'll go to another old saying. If you're going through hell, keep going. It's no place to stop. Keep going. No, who, nobody wants to stop there. It's, it's hot. There's no wa cold water. It's just terrible. Speaking of, it is hot in here. So I'm going to keep going after I take a cold Good stuff. So friends, if you've said yes to Jesus, just remember your hope and your future is in him. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, he has plans for your life, for hope, for future. Just grab a hold of him, friends, and don't look back. Jesus is not concerned with our past. There's been so many people that have been like, well, you just don't know. You don't know all these things or whatever. Jesus knows. He knows all those things. He doesn't care. He forgives. He redeems. He redeems our past mistakes. 
He wants us to focus on what lies ahead and what, not what came before. During his ministry, people would come to him and say, you know, I want to follow. I want to follow you. And to them, he would say, leave all that you have behind and don't look back. But some people asked to do that anyway. They said, hey, I, I want to I look back for a second. And this is how Jesus responded to that. And I love the way this is written in the Passion Translation. It makes it very clear. So Luke 9, 57 and 58 in the Passion Translation says, On their way, someone came up to Jesus and said, I want to follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Yes, but remember this. Even animals in the field have holes in the ground to sleep in, and birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So to this first man, he didn't say no. He said yes, but he said count the cost. There is a cost. We have to deny ourselves and pick up our cross daily. And Jesus wants us to know that there is, there is a cost to pay to follow him. It may not always be comfortable. We may be used to comfort. Maybe we aren't. But if we are, we need to understand that following Jesus isn't always comfortable. Let's carry on in verse 59. So then Jesus turned to another and said, come be my disciple. So this time he invited him in. And he replied, someday I will, Lord, but allow me first to fulfill my duty as a good son and wait until my father passes away. Jesus told him, don't wait for your father's burial. Let those who are already dead wait for death. As for you, go and proclaim everywhere that God's kingdom has arrived. So the second man, Jesus invited. And he said, when I get around to it, I have some stuff I need to do first. Then I'll come follow you. I love how the Passion Translation puts this because in other, in other translations, like I'm a big fan of NASB and I know Mark likes ESV, and, but in other translations, if you read those, and I'm not going to read it today, but it on the surface looks as though it, this interaction is, hey, my father just died and I need to go bury him, then I'll come. But that's not the reality. The reality is he's saying, you know, it could be years, who knows? It can't be me first when you're following Jesus. It has to be Jesus first. And there's mission there. He says, let the dead bury the dead. Or let the people waiting for the, or the, who are already dead uh, wait for the dead. We have a mission. We need to go and tell everyone that the kingdom has arrived. Now let's continue in verse 61. It says, still another man said to him, Lord, I want to follow you. But first, let me go home and say goodbye to my entire family. And Jesus responded, Why do you keep looking back to your past and have second thoughts about following me? If you turn back, you are not fit for God's kingdom. It seems a little harsh, maybe. To us. <coughs> so what does that even mean? That word fit is euthatos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. But what it means is well-placed, fit, and useful. So what Jesus is saying here 
is if we're constantly looking back, we're not useful in the kingdom. In the word, it says that we cannot serve two masters. We can't serve God and money. And in the same way, Jesus knows that if we're stuck in our past, if we're constantly looking through the rearview mirror of our lives, then we're of no use. We're ineffective. We can't set our focus on the past and move forward into the future. So what do we do about this? We trust Jesus. We trust him with our past. We seek him for healing. We grab a hold of him. And we look forward to the future, to his plans, his promises, his purposes, and we don't look back. So that brings me to my second point. Look where you are going. Like I mentioned earlier, it's dangerous to drive around constantly looking through the rearview mirror. So we probably should be looking at where we're going. Honestly, even if we're not looking backwards, so often we're looking somewhere else. There are so many distractions in life. There are so many things that compete for our attention. I know this is more about maturity than distraction maybe, but when my kids were younger, I remember constantly having to tell them to watch where they're going. We'd be in the store, and they're like, Dad, what can I do? You know, whatever. And they'd be running into people, running into store racks, knocking clothes off shelves, whatever. And I'd constantly have to tell them, look where you're going. Or they'd wander into a street. Ugh. I don't know how many times we've had to, you know, do the, the quick grab. But, you know, the reality is, as adults, we're not much better sometimes. I don't know how many near collisions I've had with people walking about on their phone, paying no attention to the world. Happens all the time. So we need to look where we're going. Jesus has plans. And while he rarely gives us the entire map, or even the final destination often, he does lead us along the way. We just need to focus on where we're going. <coughs> and often, when we're unsure, we ask Jesus for direction, for guidance, for signs. And if we're paying attention, he does give us those things. They're not always so clear as this, but here's a few that he might give us as we go. Pull up that first one, Talia. Do not enter. Wrong way. It's helpful. Pretty clear. You're on the wrong path. You might want to turn around. This one's similar. Dead end. Nothing for you at the end of this road. Or maybe it's a warning. Quicksand. Good to avoid that. It's a nice, slow, painful death. You don't want to go into quicksand. But it's not all about avoiding danger. Sometimes it's, it's a little different, something like this. Slowly, please. Sometimes we get impatient. You know, maybe we're, we're on the path, but we're trying to rush into things, and we're not trusting God's timing. And he just says, oh, slow down. You keep coming, but slow down. There's a speed bump up ahead. We don't want to hit that going 90. Or sometimes it's just confirmation. Like this one. Please stay on the path. Don't veer. You're going the right way. And then here's another one. 
<coughs> googly-eyed cows being abducted by aliens. Okay. okay, that one has nothing to do with anything. I just ran across it as I was looking at signs, and, you know, why not? I just thought I'd share. Maybe there's a message in there. I don't know. But the key, guys, is to keep looking where we're going. God will lead and he will guide. He will provide direction. But it's always forward. We might see some signs as we're going along and we're looking in the rearview mirror, but when we do, they look more like this. It's kind of the view you get of a sign when you're going looking the wrong direction, right? How about this one? Not super helpful, right? God wants to give us direction forward. We've got to look forward. We've got to look where we're going. We've got to look to where the Lord is leading us. That's where we find direction. Life and the kingdom is always moving forward. We're all in a race. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it says, Do not... Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. If we're going to win the race, it's probably helpful to look where we're running to. Not likely going to win the race trying to do this number. We've got to keep our eyes on the prize. We've got to let go of the past and embrace the future. His plans and purposes for our life. I love the way that Philippians 3, 12 through 16 describes this letting go and looking ahead in the passion. In Philippians 3, 12 through 16, it says this. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to make me his own. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart instead to the future. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and attaining... <coughs> I lost my place. And gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus, so let all who are fully mature have the same passion, and if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. And let us all advance together to reach this victory prize, following one path with one passion. Isn't that wonderful? It's amazing. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Which brings me to my last point. We have to look to Jesus. We run with passion to his abundance. We don't do it in our own strength. We do it by letting go of the past and fastening our hearts to the future. We run straight into the invitation of Jesus. As Christine brought forth that word, there's times that we're feeling like we're in the valley. We're feeling like it's hard. But Jesus has an invitation for us. And he's waiting for us there. He's with us along the way. We just have to look to him. For our future, for our healing, to his promises, 
we look so many other ways sometimes to our circumstances or we try to do it in our own strength, but we need to look to Jesus. Over the last few months, we've been watching The Chosen at the church. And it's a really amazing show. Anthony and Christine are really passionate about it, so they've been um, organizing showings here at the church. And we just finished season two on Friday night. It's just really good. I encourage you, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Now, they do take some artistic liberties as they uh, prepare the show, so it's always good to compare to Scripture, but they do present that at the beginning, and but it's just something to keep in mind. But in any case, in, in season two, one of the stories they cover is about the man at the Pool of Bethesda. He had been lame for 38 years, and spoiler alert, Jesus heals him. <coughs> well, I guess it's not much of a spoiler alert. The show's new, but the book's been around for a while. So, speaking of, let's go to that book right now. So, John 5, 1 through 9 says this. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after stirring up the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. <clears throat> A man who was there had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. And immediately the man became well, and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. So in the show, they expand on this interaction a bit, and it's beautiful, and I thought about just trying to describe it, but honestly, it didn't do it justice, so... I'm just going to make it a true spoiler and show you the scene. To that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. 
Let's go. Get up. Pick up your mat. And walk. Yeah. <clears throat> Guys, we have to look to Jesus. He is our prize. He is our hope and our future. There's nothing for us at the pool in our past. We only need Jesus. We have to remember that we don't have to do it alone, that we don't have to do it in our own strength. Jesus is there for us. We just have to grab firmly to him. He will help us with our past, but we can't get stuck there. We've got to look ahead. We have to look where we're going. We have to look to Jesus. Now that man that Jesus healed still had a choice. He was healed. He could now walk. He could go do things that he was never able to do for the entirety of his life. But in that moment, he still had a choice. He could have grabbed hold of what Jesus had done for him and the future that Jesus had for him, or he could have looked back. He could have chosen to focus on the past 38 years that he had been lame, and he could have let that steal his joy. Friends, we always have a choice. Jesus has plans for us, for hope and a future. Jesus can lead us, give us direction, bring us healing. But we have a choice to make. Will we run our race to win? Will we look where we're going? Will we forget the past and fasten our hearts to the future? Friends, don't look back. Look ahead. Look where you're going. Look to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you that while we all have a past, it's not what defines us. It doesn't have to hold us back. We can grab firmly to you. You will bring healing and joy and direction, Father. Lord, we thank you that you choose to use us as a part of your plan, Father, that you have mission for us. But that mission is ahead. The lost souls that still need to come into the kingdom are ahead. 
so we look ahead, Lord. We look to you, Father. We grab a hold of you and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. It was an honor to bring the word this morning. Thank you all for being here. I'll just leave us with this blessing. Oh, hold on. Um, I just, as Andrew was praying, I heard the Lord say, look up and get up. Look up and get up. And, and I feel like there's supposed to be a, a response to that. If the Lord is speaking to you to look up and get up, to set your focus on Him, but then purpose in your heart action, then would you just stand up where you are right now? Every eye open, just stand up. If the Lord's just prompting you to just respond to Him today in some way to put action to your faith, just, just stand where you are. Father, we thank you for that call to look up, to stand up. Father God, so right now, all these that have stood, Lord, we, I join with them in, in purposing in our hearts to just follow you, Lord, to put our faith into action, Father God, to trust you, to say yes to your mission, to say yes to your plans, to grab a hold of your promises. Father, I just pray that um, as we do that, you would bless every step. You would guide and lead. Lord, in, it word, in your word it says that you are the light that, that uh, illuminates our path. So, Lord, just do that. Light the path. Light the way. Lead the way, Father. We follow you. We follow you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay. Now I will close us with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a great week, everyone.